You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What's up, everyone? Jose Young here, the MMAfighting.com, with another new, actually not even another, a new and improved edition of the A-Side. Sitting next to me is, of course, the second most Irish person in MMA fighting, Pizzi Carroll. Hello, Pizzi. everybody. Pizzi, what's up with your hair this week? It's just got a cut today, so I mean, it's it's as good as it's ever gonna be. This is as this is as good as it can get. I mean, I, I'm I'm not complaining. I I feel like I look like a dream, to be honest with you. Well, you this, this is like a nightmare. I'm I'm like the post. This is like classic Irish hair. It's called the Celtic fro. Did you just make that up? No. I feel like and my freckles, my freckles. I call them Celtic camouflage. You definitely yeah. made that up, too. Well, I only ask because pretty much everyone in the YouTube comment section goes, why is PT always touches hair? Well, it's because it's so touchable. That's what I'd say to that. I'd say I've got I've actually got a lot of nerve damage on my head. But um, other than that, that's just from fist fighting in the streets. But like, what, what can you do? Well, whatever you got to tell yourself. But anyway, of course, this is not our podcast. This is all your guys' podcast. Uh, we're trying something a little new this time. Uh, we have a director, of course, the one and only Casey Lydon, with help from uh, photographer extraordinaire Esther Lynn. Uh, she is that we are going to tee up your questions so you can see them on the screen uh, so you can read along with us. And of course, people are going to be listening to this after. You can go back and rewatch them if you want. Or. Better yet, you could even sometimes send in a video question uh, that Casey tweeted out a link to. You can submit your video, and then maybe we'll even get to it, and you can see that later on on Twitter. But for now, Casey, tee up the first question from our beautiful listeners. From one and only uh, supposed MMA fighter, I think you might recognize the name, Aaron Chalmers tweeted out. From Jordy Shore fame. Uh, tattoo aficionado, not, not, I'm not quite on his level, and apparently me and him are one and the same in our budding rivalry with one Niall McGrath. I, of course, am Niall's mentor and life coach. I am trying to guide him through life as he is, of course, one of the shortest men on planet Earth, and Aaron really has taken a shine to this young lad uh, to guide him uh, through the waters of negativity. But for now, to his question from Aaron Chalmers, I, this, is a, this is a few quick ones, Pizzi. Who is your favorite fighter? Who do you hate in MMA? What MMA fighters do you think you could smash? If you were a oh. fighter, who would you sign for? Dream fight, and who is your fighter crush? Um, let's get the obvious ones out of the way straight away. My fighter crush is a car sage, Narcuthy looks like a human Clydesdale horse. That's that's absolutely him every time. That's your My fighter f- crush? Yeah, yeah, Sage Norcourt, without a doubt. All right, all right. And then, all right. I, then I'm going um, for, as in, as in, my favorite fighter... Um, I'm going to take, like, my favorite fighter to cover ever was Neil Seary, Irish legend, also Northside. What up? Um, what was the other questions? Um, Who do you hate in MMA? Most people. Most people, being honest. Um, sure. So, pick just pick anyone, really. Um, that, them, I'd say. Um, yeah. <laughs> and who, who, what is the other ones? What fighter do you think you could smash? Oh, none of them. I mean, <laughs> come on. Come on, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not on that level. If you were a fighter, who would you sign for? I now, assume with fight promotion. This is a good question. Right, so, right, obviously, what are, my, what are my aspirations as a fighter? I need to ask myself first. Sure. Like, do I just want to get paid the most amount of money? I'd say I definitely want to get paid the most amount of money because I don't fancy my success rate with these you know actual fighters so i need to think about that i also need to think about things like my social life you know will usada be involved i can't let them be involved they're not going to let me fight therefore earn my money so i'm gonna have to go with probably a a bellator here uh get myself a big payday and lose the fight but sell the story and that's what i think i'd do they they'd believe i could make the people believe up until the very second they saw me with my top off and they'd be like (laughs) That's not happening. That dude's so, fast. So I'm going to weigh in on a rash guard as well, if that's okay. <laughs> and then uh, dream fight. I don't know if this is a dream fight that you would want to partake in or a dream fight that you would want to see. So I'm going to say both. All right. Who, for my dream fight would be against uh, Jose Youngs or Noel McGrath. I know they're easy yeah. wins. Uh, you know, like if I'm signing for Bellator and I can pick my opponent, I'm like, get Jose or Noel in here. We just break one of their legs really quick. I sure. become the face of Bellator, the face of Irish MMA, 
and I get a lot of sponsorships off that. Maybe I could fight you first and then Noel. Like, drum up some, like, situation where, like, oh, Noel's been in training camp. He's back to his peak fitness when he was 14 years old and captain of the rugby team. Can Pizzi handle this kind of dynamic? And then I just go in, rip his leg off, <laughs> shove it up his ass. And then they're like, you're disqualified. I'm like, I'm not disqualified. It's a win. It's a win. But... That, that's what I go for there. But how about how about Aaron Chalmers asking us these questions and he's like fighting in three days in Dublin? This is this yeah. is incredible. What a sure. man. What so a for man. My, my questions, uh, I'll start. Who's your favorite fighter uh, to cover? I really like interviewing Joseph Benavides. Uh, he's always he, he's always a fascinating interview. He he understands the dynamics of working with the media and he does. But he's also one of those guys that doesn't he doesn't hold back. Uh, I also had that. I, I like talking with him a lot about non fight related stuff. Um, growing up, my favorite fighter was the Korean Zombie. Uh, it's still to this day one of the only MMA shirts I own. Uh, I think the I think that 2013 range of the Korean Zombie is still to this day the most exciting fighter I've ever seen in my entire life. Who do you hate in MMA? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, I don't. People are gonna say you hate Nile, but I would never say I hate one of my students. Like that's just how like when a teacher audibly says i hate a student that like scars them for life so when niall grows up uh to try uh, to accomplish anything like anything <laughs> like he has to he has to try to accomplish something first before he actually does accomplish something then maybe uh i'll, t I'll tell him my honest opinion of him but uh, until he reaches that that peak i'm not gonna say i hate one of my students right. so ooh, who's that guy who had the giant i think esther took the photo of it a long time ago uh with the giant swastika on his chest he had like the dragon tattoo on his chest with the swastika. Melvin Costa, that's his name. Hate that guy. Uh, not a big fan of Nazis. Uh, <laughs> which MMA fighter do I think I could fight? None. I would get my ass. I've already got my ass handed to me by an MMA fighter when I had an amateur fight. Not going to do that again. Who would I sign oh, no. for? I feel like I could sign with Bellator and just be someone that they make fight Michael Venom Page on short notice, and then I just get I <laughs> need the boom. Like I just get a uh, flying elbow to the head. Maybe I could get. Maybe that could fund my trip to uh, London or Dublin. I've never been there, so I'll Woo. be like, I'll fight Michael Venom Page, get a free flight to Dublin, get my face caved caved in, and then I can't fly back because my face is so caved in. They won't let me on a flight for because of the pressure. That I just stay in Ireland for a longer time, uh, and then eventually, even with a caved in face, I'll still teach Nile the ins and outs and the intricacies of planet Earth. Uh, so, kind. so kind. I know. So I'm kind. just trying. I'm just trying. I'm just looking out for him. Uh, dream fight. Uh, Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega. I've been saying that since like 2014. Uh, when that fight fell apart, so many people tweeted at me. They were like, Jose, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry that this <laughs> happened to you. And I'm just like, guys, not now. I need to be with my crystals and just, you know. And then who is my fighter crush? Hmm. I don't. Don't you come near Sage. Don't you dare. He is mine. Okay. I don't want to. You keep keep away from Sage Knuckle with that beautiful face of yours. I don't really have one. I don't. I've never really thought about it. Sage is Sage is a handsome lad. He's also a fun fact. Uh, of course, as the biggest Star Wars fan on the site, PCK, I don't have to tell you this, but he was the uh, he was in the commercial for one of the lightsabers that came out for the the, the prequel trilogies. Got he was it. like the little kid that picked up the lightsaber and started doing all the flips and stuff. He also was the kid that used the plastic Wolverine claws in the toy commercial. So uh, there you go. Wow. So maybe him. He's in a lot. He's a, he's getting that Star Wars and X Men money. Uh, wow. I know. So I'll say Roxy, Roxanne Montfari, fellow weeb. There you go. Yes, absolutely. She's a lovely. She is a lovely, lovely woman. Uh, but thanks, Aaron, for the questions. Uh, good luck in your fight in like seventy-two hours. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why you're you're tossing these the questions for us. Just because what a who is this? What does he call Nile? Um, Steve. Oh yeah. <laughs> So me and you, when if I'm ever in in Dublin or Ireland or or, or London or wherever you Who frequent knows? these days, uh, we'll we'll grab some coffee or tea, whatever you guys want to call it over there, and we'll talk about uh, the next lesson plan for Steve moving forward because you know he really wants that those two stickers rather than just the one sticker on his on his homework. So, uh, but thanks for the questions, Aaron, and good luck at 72 hours. Woo, Keith, what a legend. Casey, what do we got next for our next question from our lovely listeners? From Joe Corvalli, longtime tweeter. Uh, of course, you can leave us oh. your tweets using hashtag the A side, or you can respond to us uh, on Twitter. Uh, Joe, Joe Corvalli has a few, I think. 
Does this win over Nathaniel Wood do anything for John Thompson beyond maintaining a level of relevance? So should Ray Borg be banned from flyweight? Is there any legitimate defense of Diego Sanchez's cornerman, or is he absolutely a useless disaster? We all viewed him on that night. Also, Nile greater than Jose. Well, I see wow. you taking my classes, Joe. Uh, I'm glad you used greater than sign correctly because last lesson plan was math, mathematics. So I'm really glad that more people are tuning into this. This this I would even call it a TED Talk because people get paid for that. I'm doing this out of the kindness of my own heart to better the youth of, of Ireland. So, Pete, uh, first question, what does this win for John Dotson do for Nathaniel Wood outside of just maintaining, I assume, Joe's uh, meaning? I mean, I feel as though it's that's a big deal, though, like to to regain relevance in a division like that, like, you know, to, to stop this surging talent. And look, for a while, it became like Dodson was the litmus test that opens the top of the division for these guys. And now that he's stopped Nathaniel, I mean, that that's a big, big plus for him. That bolsters him significantly. I, like, I feel as though being relevant is very important in MMA. So I think that's... To, to just say, is that all he's got, kind of diminishes it. Like, being relevant is one of the most important things to these guys in the division. So I feel maybe that is all he got from him, but that is a huge deal, I feel. I mean, especially when you look at Dodson's form, these were the problems that he kept on encountering against these guys, these surging talents as they as they approach the top of the division. So for me, that's a, that's a huge thing that he's regained relevance there. And in New Mexico, where he hails from, huge, huge deal. Like, I mean... And and Joe will know himself like that how we how highly we regard Nathaniel over over in these neck of the woods. So I I think it's a huge deal to be honest for um, John Dodson. Well, for John Dodson, winning means he gets the rest of his paycheck. And oh, I know yeah. he has two. I know he has two young kids. He's on a two fight losing streak. Uh, regardless of where this fight took place, this fight could have taken place on the Columbus car, the DC car that happened in December, the Portland car later this year. Like. Regardless of like, yes, winning in New Mexico is great. John Dotson got his the rest of his paycheck, his win bonus for winning. So, for some uh, a father with two young kids, that is obviously very important. Is also like I said, on a two fight losing streak, uh, in a division that is so very stacked uh, that every win matters. So yes, maybe in terms of rankings and status in the division, this is maintaining, but you need those fights considering how, uh, what's the word like top heavy this is right now after since henry cejudo's not fighting he's supposedly going to fight jose aldo next all of these contenders are basically just clamoring to circling each other to fight a lot of them are going to get knocked off soon i i imagine because they're all going to have to fight each other so every win is going to be important because when the dust settles the people that are winning are going to still be there so at this point in 2020 for the bantamweight division regardless of who it's against where it is on the card every single fight matters because in one year the bandweight division is going to hopefully sort itself out yeah like and i mean it's like look how quickly fans flip-flop on guys when they lose like it's huge to be relevant you know what i mean like yeah. uh, we were talking about uh, michelle Pereira before his fight with diego sanchez last week from his first fight he went to god's gift to mma the the you know what an amazing talent this man's going to change everything for the sport and then he has a second fight and you know it, it's not the same display. He he doesn't come away with the win, and everyone's like, "Get rid of him! Ah, oh, he cannot be in the sport." So I feel as though winning relevance is huge in MMA because losing yeah. relevance is is like basically a free for all for that ravenous fan base on social media who can really cripple people with with all the bullshit they throw at them. I mean, let's look at when Daniel Cormier beat Stipe Miocic. A lot of people were saying, "Is Daniel Cormier the greatest heavyweight of all time?" As yes. soon as he loses to Stipe, the narrative is now Stipe Miocic is the greatest heavyweight of all time. <laughs> so now <laughs> he run that trilogy back. Whoever wins that is apparently going to be the greatest heavyweight of all time just based on the pattern. Uh, so, yes, you are very correct. And one loss and all of a sudden people turn on you. So, uh, Dotson, I don't want to say people had turned on him yet, but uh, after fighting a couple fights, where did who did he fight before Peter Yan? Was it the Jimmy Rivera fight? In, I think so, yeah. I think that was Dallas 228. So uh, he fought in Dallas and then he fought in Prague and now he gets to fight at home. So, and we've said before, you really need that footage of like the crowd embracing you and going ballistic for you. Like Darren Till beating Wonderboy, just the image of the crowd losing their mind 
when he wins. You need that for a fighter. So the fact that he won, not only won, but won by TKO over such a highly touted prospect in his hometown, like that is going to do wonders uh, in the eyes of the fans because they might not know anything about John Dotson, but they see the fans going nuts for him. That's what he needed. Absolutely. And should Ray Borg be banned from flyweight? Pretty much. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, very sympathetic to, to, to Ray Borg for a number of reasons, but I think at this stage, um, we went through this last week, the amount of misses right um, ahead of the fight. And, um, you know, you even mentioned he, he missed a band fight before as well. So yeah. I feel like for the good of his health, yes, don't let him fight flyweight anymore, to be honest. Or do one of those... Uh... Those those weight cuts to show you can make the weight. I know Henry Cejudo had to fight at 135, and then his next fight he had to prove yeah. he could make 125. Do something like that. But even then, like he's fought, he's missed enough weight before. Like just looking at his resume, I pulled it up right here. Uh, missed weight uh, against Gene Herrera. Missed weight against Luis Smoka. Uh, those are two flyweight fights. Uh, missed weight against Casey Kenny at bantamweight. Missed weight against uh, most recently. Um, against Rogeri Bontarin at Rio Rancho. And even then, like, he's pulled out of fights. Uh, so I, someone had tweeted, like, these stats, like, you're, every time Ray Borg fights, there's, like, a very high percent of chance he either misses weight or pulls out. It's one or the other. And then he very, – so very rarely will he make weight and fight. So uh, I don't like using the word banned because that means you're just gone forever. Uh, but maybe – Pump the brakes and maybe cut into 125 for the for the foreseeable future. Maybe he's just trying to make it his gimmick. He's like, oh, well, you know, gotta gotta think of it from his perspective. Well, it's, all, <laughs> it, it's like looking at his his like he missed weight against Gene Herrera, he won. Misses weight against Luis Smoka, he won. He misses weight at Rio Rancho, he won. Like the only fight he's he's won that he's lost that he's missed weight was Casey Kenny. Uh, on that UFC Philly card that a lot of people actually think he won. That seemed to be one of those fights that like, even Ray Borg was surprised at the scorecard. So he's missing weight and he's winning. So He's like, hey, guys, I missed weight and everything. What do you mean I lost? Right. So, <laughs> like, And that's not even counting uh, fights that were like he pulled out for, like he was supposed to fight Joseph Benavidez. And he pulled out, uh, I think, uh, I can't remember off the top. Didn't he have to pull out of one of the fights against Demetrius Johnson, or it was rescheduled, I think, at the Edmonton card? Uh, And he even had the glass in his eye uh, (laughs) on that Brooklyn card. So Ray Borg's been through a lot. Uh, Maybe just fighting at 135 and not stressing about the weight cut will just be good for him mentally. But if he believes he can make 125 and he can prove it, prove it first, and then we'll talk about you fighting. Uh, and, and is there any legitimate defense of Diego Sanchez's cornerman, or is he the absolutely useless disaster we all view him view him as on that night? So I don't know if you saw uh, any of Diego Sanchez's uh, backstage footage of him like warming up, or I know someone put out like audio of his cornerman giving him instructions, uh, or even any any of it. Or I'm sure you saw all of Diego Sanchez's. Uh, Instagram and Twitter posts and just like roasting the UFC and I think he roasted Joe Rogan for like like sp- like creating a false narrative on the broadcast but Joe Rogan wasn't even doing play by play that night uh, a little I, I I don't know the man so I don't want to talk negative on his coach at all uh, or because I've never even seen a Diego Sanchez I haven't seen enough of Diego Sanchez's uh, Training camp, but it seemed a little out there, even for Diego. Would you agree? Um, it just—it's a bit out there, man. You know, um, I'm all for it, the avant-garde. Um, I'm all for being creative. Yeah, <laughs> but, like you uh, do with your haircut, right? Exactly. You know what I mean? Be, be free yourself, free your mind, free your follicles. That's what I always say. Yeah, is that but, what you um, do hair? That's it. Like sometimes I just walk up to people on the street with a scissors, and I'm like, "Do it. Do what you do will." It. Just hand it to them. You, you, you know what must be done. Just just do it, man. I'm going to, I'm trying to get a Nike sponsorship for that kind of stuff. Just just do it. And with the scissors. Sure. Believe. No, that's a date. It's shit. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a bit too much for me. Like, I'm all for it. Like, I love... Uh, I love <laughs> but, like, at the, at the end of the day, lads, we're criticizing a winning coach here. So, is it... Is it well-placed criticism when we're criticizing a winning coach because Diego Sanchez won that fight, still active, still winning, 
Where's the complaints? Yeah, I mean, one, the W's on his on the W is there, so he's a coach that his fighter got a win bonus. Yeah. I'm not I'm I don't want to be joining in on the 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 false narratives being built around <laughs> Diego Sanchez and his coach at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know the man enough. Uh Diego what and I'm always for like I am all about if whatever gets whatever is makes you mentally comfortable. I don't know if you've ever seen that the movie Bull Durham, uh it's a baseball yes. movie where he's like whatever the superstition you have Whatever got to get you in the right frame of mind, do it. If that means opening every door with your left hand, do it. If that means like like wearing glasses upside down when you when you enter the ba- the ballpark, do it. Like I'm for if whatever gets you mentally focused, like go for it. Like I always wear the same pair of socks every fight card. Fun story. I cover fights. I, uh, I like to my, put my put my legs behind my head when Jose asked me to media days. No, no my, see, here's the difference. I don't ask you to. Yes, you do. I think it's like, why is he doing it? Why is he doing it? He's this no, camera. This no, is like, what oh. happened. I said, you said, did you know I'm the most flexible person that you've ever met? And I say, what are you talking about? And I said, <laughs> why? And you said, and I quote, watch this. And then just laid on the ground and did it. I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't even tell you to do it. I think you should follow your dreams. Look, like, look, if, if he's not going to ask me and re- repeat what he did before, I can't do this. Uh, someone is saying that, Pete, there's no possible way you're that flexible. Well, it's, look, I'm wearing jeans here, right? So hang on, let me, I'm just going to have to take this belt off. Excuse Are me. Are you kidding? All right, guys, for people just listening right now, Pete is taking his belt off and he's Where going to go? put You his... ready? Sure. Okay. He's in jeans. Pair, pair of Danes over here. It's not a lot of breeding room. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm afraid, I'm afraid the chair is going to go back as well, but. I hope so. Right. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> yeah! See what I'm saying? All day, every day. Fun story. Uh, no one asked you about that. I made that question up just so you would do it. You're welcome. I'm living my dream, okay? Just like Kevin Costner in Waterworld. Quote, unquote, we're living, you are living your best truth, as the youths say of America. Isn't that just mean, like, I mean... Like living your best truth is like. Does that just mean everyone thinks you're being an asshole, but no one's willing to tell you? Maybe. What do I think it means? <laughs> and, and then of course Nile greater than Jose. We've talked about that. Uh, Nile is of course learning mathematics right now. For a long time, he thought two plus two equaled twenty-two because he thought you just put the numbers next to one another. Nope, but it is four. Nile, uh, four. Those time uh, tables, baby. You're gonna be able to do it. I, I believe in you, Nile. Next question, of course, as P- as Casey, I think, gives us the side to move on as he just tees up a question. Uh, Benavidez versus Figueredo from longtime commenter Trumbo. Uh, title fight coming up in less than two weeks. Who do you favor in this one? I know G- Joe B is a sentimental favorite, but his striking has barely progressed in the last five years. No jab, wing, overhands, all very team alpha male from 2014. Do you see him having good? Do you see him having enough to beat Figueroa? So yes, Pete C. Of course, uh, Joe Benavidez, a friend of the site, uh, UFC's resident cinephile, is fighting for the uh, vacant flyweight championship of the world against Davison Figueroa. Uh, he, Joseph Benavidez, of course, fought for the inaugural flyweight championship against Demetrius Johnson. Uh, I can't remember what card that was, but I believe it was the co-main event for the John Jones Vitor Belfort card. Uh, I may, I may be mistaken. I'm not a hundred percent, but he event and then again, lost to uh, Demetrius Johnson in the rematch on that Sacramento card on that Fox card in Sacramento. And then he recently lost, he beat Henry Cejudo. And I think he lost to Sergio Pettis. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think that was in Chicago too. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he has won uh, a lot since, he hasn't fought since the last fight card in Chicago. I believe it was UFC 238 uh, when he head kicked Formiga uh, and then finished him. He has fought Davidson Figueredo, who's been an absolute tear. He won that fight of the night against Pantoja uh, up in Edmonton. So the, sa- the scene is set for the vacant flyer championship of the world. Who do you favor heading into the fight in Norfolk? Um, I think I do probably favor Figueredo, but as a, as a media guy, I mean... Benavidez's story is incredible, and, and look, I don't, I don't think it's, 
completely fair to say this guy hasn't improved in since 2014. I think that's a bit wild. I mean, he's on a he's on a three fight win streak at the moment. Um, but look, Figueredo looks incredible. But I think the best story for the night would would be um would be Benavidez coming out the win. I do favor Figueredo, but I certainly don't write off Benavidez in any way, shape, or form. I think he's been consistently one of the great flyweights in the UFC, a perennial title contender. So I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think it's a lock by any by any stretch of the imagination that Figueredo wins. But it, uh, in my heart of hearts, I would slightly favor him on the night. And I will make a correction. Uh, he beat Formiga on that Minneapolis card, not the Chicago card. That was headlined by Nganu and uh, who was it? Uh, JDS. And then Davidson Figueredo's tapped out Tim Elliott on that UFC Tampa Bay card. So uh, just based off of performances lately, these like there's no argument that these two are the rightful contenders for the vacant flyweight championship of the world. And we spoke with Joseph Benavides backstage uh, in Las Vegas, and he, uh, he was one of the guest fighters. And he even said... Like, honestly, having the belt is – or fighting for the belt is just kind of the cherry on top. Like, he just wanted a fight because Ben been since, I think, uh, June. Uh, he wanted to fight a guy that he hadn't fought yet. He seems really excited for a lot of new blood. Like, you asked him about Askar Askarov, and he goes, I'm excited to fight all these these guys that I never fought before. Like, the belt is just kind of the thing on top of everything. So – uh, I favor Joseph Benavides because he's proven that he hasn't he, he like looking at his who's he lost to Dominic Cruz twice and Demetrius Johnson twice the greatest flyweight and then some uh, a man in Demetrius Johnson and then uh, Dominic Cruz many people consider uh, one of if not the greatest bantamweights of all time and then the Sergio Pettis fight at UFC 225 in Chicago was a split decision uh, some people thought he might have won that fight so he's not he's losing. It's, it seems similar to the John Dodson situation where he's losing to people in, like, the top three. Mm. Or even not even top three, like, top one. Like, he's been the second best at flyweight for so long just behind Demetrius Johnson. He even has a win over Henry Cejudo, who uh, was champ champ and beat, uh, was the man to dethrone uh, Henry Cejudo. I really would have liked to see that rematch before uh, Henry Cejudo vacated his championship of the world. But uh, I just seem, based on the track record, uh, I know Figueredo is hot right now. But so is Nathaniel Wood when he had all these stoppages yeah. in a row, and we saw what happened to John. Uh, what happened when he fought someone like John Dotson? I just I have to favor Joseph Benavides just based on his track record uh, over the years. Well, here's the thing as well. I see it all the time. People overlook experience way too much in MMA. Yeah. Like, like look, it, at, it, look at Macy Barber and Roxanne Modafari. Absolutely. You know, they just look at the hot person and they're like, oh, yeah, that's that. Um, and look, I, I've even admitted myself, I've been blown away by Figueredo, and that's why I'm slightly going towards him. But as I said, like, I think Benavidez, is, you know, has been one of the best flyweights for many, many years, as I said. And I can't tell you the amount of times we've seen a guy with more experience. Like, I'd say Benavidez, like, I don't have his record there at the top of my head, but I'd say he has double the fights uh you know, Figueredo has. I'd imagine it's close to that anyway. Like, if you're going to tell me that doesn't factor into anything, you're crazy. That's that's a huge, huge advantage. And we're talking about flyweights here where, you know, he's been in there for probably 25 minutes a lot of the time when he has fought title fights and stuff like that. He is aware of what it's like to, to fight for a title. He has done that on multiple occasions. Like, that's a huge, that's a huge experience advantage going into this fight as well, which can't be overlooked. Uh, Joseph Benavides has 33 professional fights, and uh, Davidson Figueredo has 18 uh, ah! fights. Uh, Figueredo has eight. I'm just doing trying to do math. He has set. He's set, he's eight. He's 17 and one. He has eight 18. TKOs. Benavides also has eight uh, TKOs slash KOs. Uh, Joseph Benavides has nine submissions. Figueredo has six submissions. So pretty even uh, in terms of skill set. I think Figueredo might be a little more violent because uh, he seems to end a lot. A lot of his fights end with bloodshed. Uh, but Benavidez also has proven that no matter where the fight goes. Like, remember that? I think his fight against uh, Dustin Ortiz on the, the Brooklyn card is mm. incredibly underrated. Like, that was such high-level grappling. Like, it was basically a 15-minute a wrestling match where – but it wasn't, like, stalling. It was just constant moving and submissions and transitions and scrambles. Like, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that fight. And that, and that was – and sandwiched between that, and he has his TKO win over Formiga and his, T- and his KO, TKO win over Alex Perez. So he's knocking people out, and he's he's just outworking people. So, uh, again, I, I just have to favor uh, Joseph Benavidez in this fight. Uh, I see him as one of the greatest fighters to never win a championship. And I, I am, if I put money on it, 
I'm putting money on that changing. But we're moving right along. Casey's teeing up another question uh, from Ian O'Neill on Twitter, hashtag the A-side. Severo uh, May. <laughs> what do you make of Judge Joe Solis' apparent conflict of interest? He trains at the same gym as Trevin Giles is currently involved with. Should this be appealed by Kraus? So, yes, Pizzi, I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you have. There's clear con- conflict of interest between Joe Solis, uh, who is, I believe, got his black belt from someone that trains with or trains Trevin Giles or a former coach. His I head can't coach, remember. yeah, his head coach, I believe uh, it was. Aaron Bronsetter's report, right? Yes, from Aaron Bronsetter at TSN. Give him a shout-out, a uh, friend of the show. Um, clear con- conflict of interest. Uh, it is clearly, like... If you get a black belt from someone, don't judge their students' next fight. This has happened before. I think I, off the top of my head, I think Ali Quinta had something similar in the past. I can't remember the coach. Or I can't remember the fight or who the judge was, but I, I clearly remember it was Ali Quinta. I think there was something weird with the Gilbert Melendez, uh, Benson Henderson one in San Jose, or maybe it was the... Diego Sanchez, Ross Pearson one in Albuquerque. I can't quite remember that, but we've seen this before. Clear conflict of interest. Uh, But what do you make of this situation, and should this be appealed by Kraus? Oh, 100%. I mean, we we talked about the star-making power that he had going into that event and what should have happened afterwards after a fantastic display. He steps up on a day's notice, puts in this outrageous performance, and all of us left scratching our heads wondering, why hasn't he won this fight? Um. You know, the, the, I think he's the first round being scored for Giles uh, was on Solace's card as well, and that's a that's a complete piss take. Um, you know, this stuff happened a lot ten years ago in in the UK and Ireland when there's just actually not enough people to referee. There's not enough people to, you know, they, they, we just didn't have enough uh, people involved in the sport to to avoid some conflicts of interest. Like some, it happens to a lesser degree still here today and, and in the US, but these commissions. It's a joke that you know they haven't they haven't stepped in and tried to you know study this. Have they have they looked into this when you're appointing people to fights? Um, do they make these people sign disclaimers to say I have no ties to this fighter? And if he has signed a disclaimer, he absolutely shouldn't referee again. I would judge again. He shouldn't be involved in any shape, way, shape, or form. I, I feel as though when we are being critical of scorecards and stuff like that, we we have we have um. We vilified an awful lot of people, and and maybe for a week we're we're throwing throwing them under the bus left, right, and center. And I'm always like, come on, let's relax. Um, this guy is a person too. But when you, when this extra layer of it's developed, he absolutely shouldn't be involved in the sport in that capacity anymore. Um, and he can't be trusted in that capacity anymore. And um, really, I think the commission, if they haven't asked, they need to put some things in place to make sure that doesn't happen. This is the pinnacle of the sport. Um, and I think it's a joke that it's happened. And and uh, Crow should absolutely appeal it. He deserved to have his hand raised on the night. And uh, he deserved to get all the plaudits and praise and uh, spotlight put on him after that win. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a joke. Was this, like, it, it's a big deal and it's clearly a conflict of interest and he shouldn't have done it. But did you, you said you scored that fight for James Krause? No, I believe it was the first round, wasn't it? Like oh, he, yeah, yeah. Solis had scored the first round for uh, Giles. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's egregious. Like that makes no sense to me. It, the first round was so clearly um, James Krause. Then the second two rounds, I actually scored it for Guy, uh, Giles. So it's not like I don't believe Krause was robbed of a win. I think even if even if this this judge had given him the first round, I still would have had it 29-28 Giles. But at the end of the day. I don't know if that's as Casey uh, tees it up. Uh, a lot, the majority of media scored it for Giles. Uh, two people had it a draw, and then two people had it for Kraus. Uh, well, so- look, if he, if if Solis scores the first round for Kraus, because the third round was competitive, if Solis scores the first round for Kraus, there he wins the fight. That is true. So that is true. How it is like I mean, it's not a complete robbery, but when you look at the scorecards, there you're like, you know, it's not a complete robbery in the sense it was a competitive fight. But when you look at the scorecards like that, and one round has swayed it to from a, a from a Kraus victory to a Joel's victory, I mean that's that's pretty crazy to me. And then uh, Esther Lynn uh, brought up that it was Doug Crosby was the referee that uh, referee one of the judges that has a hit that has been tied to some of this uh, drama before he uh, had that when Ally King to fought Jorge Masvidal, I guess he had 
beef uh this judge doug crosby had beef with uh the sarah longo team and he was the judge that scored it for 30 27 for masvidal i don't know if you remember that fight being very very close mm. that's um yeah I, I can remember the the talk afterwards more so than the the exact fight um i don't have one of those beautiful minds like you do for your remembrance of mma but um yeah like i mean this stuff has to has to be has to stop it's 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 taken away like look at look at the shit that the boxing's in like every time there's a big fight it's nearly ruined by officiating so i mean i don't want to who's that who's that judge adelaide bird like her name is tied to controversy like if there's any sort of controversy in judging the first comments always all looks like adelaide bird's judging mma now so like you don't want to be that you don't want to be that judge but i do want to say um i always like the make sure that I say that I know brilliant judges. I know brilliant referees in this sport. They all shouldn't be, they all shouldn't be tied with the same brush. Um, you know, we, we should take them out individually rather than uh, group them as a whole. Same way as people are always like, Oh, the media is this and the media is that. And like, we've never done anything like that in our life, but we're, we're tired with that. So, um, I do know that there's fantastic judges out there and fantastic referees. Um, but if, if there's one, this blatantly not doing it right, get rid of them. Moving along as Casey tees up another question. I like how Casey's moving, keeping us on, on track. Yeah, and it's like, shut your face. Go. Shut <laughs> your face. From longtime commenter Lodovic. True or false, PT? So I'll, rat, I'll name these off. You can expand a little bit if you want because uh, we're a little past halfway point. True or false, John versus Jan is next. Yes. True. So, so true. Jan <laughs> has a realistic chance to bean John Jones. I think he can absolutely bean John Jones. Yeah, like bean him with what? Beating him with beans, Baseball? obviously. Bachelor's baked beans, man. What else? Okay. John Dodson's win was an early stoppage as Nathaniel was getting back up was getting back up when the ref stopped it. I I have seen a lot of people talk about that. Yeah, you probably could have let the fight go on. Um, but I think Dodson was up in the fight anyway. And after scoring a big moment like that, you're you're looking at kind of nearly battling yourself back from a ten eight round. You had Dodson winning that fight up until that point? I think it was it was either one each or uh, two to Dodson. Like I felt like he was doing really, really well. Actually, hang on. Did, did Wood take us back in the second round? I don't remember the, the exact rounds, but a lot of people thought Nathaniel Wood was winning that uh, when I was watching it live. Oh, I, I don't think he was winning. No, okay. certainly not. Well, it was certainly. close. Uh, yeah. I can see why people think it might be a stoppage, but at the end of the day, rest are there, so you don't take unnecessary stoppage. Look, uh, look. If he, when. when when he gets hit with the left hook, I believe it was, he's at sixes and sevens. Um, there's a big distance created between the two fighters, and Nathaniel is still kind of, uh, to me, looking at it, not being Nathaniel, um, I'm looking at it thinking he's still very disoriented. He's looking around to see where Dodson's coming from. Dodson comes in, he's landing a lot of shots um, as Nathaniel's getting back to his feet. I'm probably thinking the referee is looking at Nathaniel covering the front of his face as, as Dodson lands around here. He's like, Stopping the fight as Nathaniel's getting back to his feet. It's a tough moment. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not too angry about it. I think we're going to see Nathaniel uh, back up against the top contenders in the division again. And he's still very young. Um, I'd, I'd rather see an early stoppage than a late stoppage. True or false, despite the unanimous decision victory, Lando Venata's performance was actually a little disappointing. Mm. Oh, I mean, I guess it, he's fine about Disappointing for who? He yeah, won, yeah. so he got the rest of his paycheck. Like, I, I guess he's, I guess he's talking about the fact that Lando's been in so many memorable fights, and um, people are expecting, like we were as well. Let's be honest, when we did our preview, oh, if you have to blame someone, it is one hundred percent Casey's <laughs> fault. Like, if you remember our preview show, he said like Lando versus Yancey has a zero percent chance of being boring. I, I said and it's a guaranteed performance bonus. Like, it is a hundred percent Casey's fault. It's yeah. It's I'm afraid to say that because he hits me when he sees me in person. So it's my fault. Okay. When are you gonna learn to fight back, man? Listen, I just it's just his mustache. It's too powerful. I just recoil. Oh, see, you I, have a natural Brillo pad on your head that you can just start scraping people with on the top of your head. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the way you can't look directly at your hair. Do you know when we right. see in the sunshine? Like, right. Especially my right. poor eyes from from cold. See, someday, you'll, someday you'll learn the magic of conditioner, and then that 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 natural weapon you have will. It's all the same. It's all the same. Conditioner, shampoo. Uh, you're being <laughs> tricked by the media. <laughs> True or false? Dan Hooker beats Paul Felder at UFC Auckland, which is uh, this weekend. That's tough. I'm picking. I'm picking Hooker. Yeah, I'm picking. I'll I'm picking say. Hooker. 
I'll say false just so I could be different. That fight I was at that fight that Dan Hooker had against Edson Barbosa. That was a that was the definition of a beatdown right there. Uh, Dan Hooker's body just gave out against Edson Barbosa. So I'm gonna say false just but just so I can be different. But I am so fifty fifty on that fight. That fight absolutely rules to me. It really does. It's a great fight. And and we are all uh, hoping Paul Felder will be brought over to Dublin as the Irish Dragon. Um, so that would be fantastic. Oh, look at this. Ian O'Neill no. on Twitter. <laughs> PT figure out how to read that book yet. By that book, I assume you mean Akira, uh, which if any of you haven't, you can go find the clip on my Twitter. PT had been reading the book Akira backwards because he didn't realize people in Japan read the wrong, read the opposite direction as the rest of the world. Well, not the rest of the world, people here in America and, and, and Europe. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I start from here now, but I just haven't been able to bring myself to do it ever since uh, the the full reptile that the Raptors clip came out yeah. of me. It's going like, what's going on here? And I was like, Look, are you serious? <laughs> you know, how many people on that tw- that clip kind of blew up for two days. Like, yeah, like people, just, you, <laughs> people were like rinsing you, man. I wish we had. I wish that was like ten minutes before Roxy came out for her media day scrum. I wish we had gotten that on camera. You just like shaming yourself in front of Roxy. It might have been the it first. Was hilarious. Oh, yeah, I couldn't stop laughing, man. Laughing, Roxy is the nicest person on the UFC roster. She wouldn't have been mad. She would have just been disappointed. Yeah, and that would have hurt, hurt so much, man. I wouldn't have been able for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, that, that, that week would have gone from worse because your face was broken. I genuinely, the most disappointing thing about this is like, I was really trying to read this, like, 50 times, and I was so excited to read it. And then, like, I, I just can't. I was, it, it was desperate. Like, ask, well, like because, you have the collector's edition, mine, my edition, which is behind me on the shelf. You would be able to read that uh, left to right. If you want, I'll sign it for you when I see it. Just bring it to the next event. You want to sign my copy of my yeah. book? <laughs> you would throw a few more euro on it, you know what I mean? That's, that's what I'll do, you know what I mean? If you want me to sweat on it, I can do that, too. No, thank you. Anything you want. Get, I don't want to get another virus since brought back to America. <laughs> From Susanna Fights, who has been one of our most vocal co- uh, commenters and tweeters lately, big time supporter. Uh, what's next for Corey? I assume what's next for Corey Anderson. Uh, so Corey Anderson, of course, uh, was finished by Jan Blahovitz, uh, UFC Rear Rancho main event. First round, pretty violently. Uh, no issue with the stoppage whatsoever. Uh, but what is next for Corey? A lot of people, including John Jones, assumed if Corey had won, uh, he was clearly next in line. Uh, John Jones even predicted Corey would win. Uh, but John Blahovitz got revenge from their first fight with a violent first-round knockout. Not TKO, knockout. Uh, what did you make of his performance, and what do you want to see next from Corey? Um, it's it's tough to, to kind of think of who you'd want to see. Like, I mean, uh, what about... Has Volkan Ozdemir fought since he fought Rakic? I don't believe so. Mm-mm. That might that might be a, a good one. I feel like I feel like Volkan's in a weird spot, like because he he was like he was suddenly this contender, like like Corey was, and then he lost so many in a row, and and he kind of completely diminished. But then he gets a win over Rakic, and he's kind of back in the picture. Whereas, well, okay, so for Volk for Volkan, yeah, he gets those three wins in a row. Uh, he gets the win over OSP on short notice. He KOs Misha and he KOs Jimmy. But then, do you remember who he lost to in that three-fight losing streak? He's not uh, losing Daniel Cormier, DC, um, Anthony Smith, and Dominic Reyes. And a lot of yeah, people yeah. thought he beat Dom Reyes. And then he sends Elair Latifi back up to heavyweight with a knockout, and then he pulls off a split decision over Alexander Ratchik. So he's not losing to quote-unquote bums. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, maybe that is a good fight. I'm a genius. The Volkan fight. Yeah. We also have that light heavyweight scrap against Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith coming up. Uh, I think Corey Anderson has a win over Glover. I don't know if he wants that. Uh, I'm off the top of my head, I can't can't quite remember. Uh, but light heavyweight rankings, Gustafson might come back. I keep hearing he might want to tangle um, Johnny Walker. Where are you on that? Where are you on that, like him coming Gustafson. back? Yeah. If he wants to come back, by all means, come back. I think he might. Maybe he retired in the in the heat of the moment, similar to Stefan Struve, where it didn't seem like anything was going right for him. He lost to John Jones. He just lost to Anthony Smith in front of his home country. Uh, he's a new dad, so maybe he just his head wasn't. He needed a break, so he retires. But if he well, wants was in to come back, for that man, it was cra- It was like morning. Like it was morning. Like it was. Everyone's like nearly crying in the media room and shit. I was like, whoa, this is. 
insane. It, like, I mean, you can really get a, a a tangible feel of how much he means to the scene over there. Like in a moment like that, um, I would have loved to be at that stadium show. I didn't go to that, unfortunately, but um. You know, I guess he is a huge, huge name in that Nordic region. And as you're trying to make Hermansen or one of these guys bleed them through as, as the next guy there, an event with Bo Hermansen and Gustafsson would be big money in, in the Nordic regions, I feel. So, um, so maybe yeah, Corey actually, Anderson runs that back. Uh, uh, Casey Lydon wants, well. wants Corey versus Jiri, the Ryzen champion that's coming over. Jiri Prohaska, that's a great fight. I love that scrap. Uh, I think a win over Corey would kind of just catapult Jerry into the top five immediately. Uh, I should have asked John Jones when we were in Houston if he even pays attention to the rest of the division outside of the UFC. But uh, I like that fight. So there you go. Uh, book it. I just, I just fear as though, like, like no, I fear that they won't rush Jerry uh, in against someone like Corey. Like I, I feel like he's gonna have a debut against Kroilov or someone like that. Well, Kroilov's fighting Johnny Walker in Brazil. Oh, well, Sirkinov yeah. would be a good fight. Yeah, yeah, right. that is true. From Sean Denny on Twitter, as Casey tees up another question, if a burglar breaks in at night, what weapons do you have ready to smash them with? I know you have your Brillo pad uh, on the top of your head where you just run and flying headbutt them. Uh, so, And then you grab them by the face and you start rubbing your head against them. And then you take the mountains and mountains of shampoo you have and just pour it all over his face. So uh, <laughs> There's no difference. Just screaming at <laughs> him. No, but like, seriously, if you come into my house, I'm going to stab you 18 times in the head. That's that's what's gonna happen, and I'm just gonna laugh as you die. I'm just gonna be like, why <laughs> eighteen? Because <laughs> it's six six six, the number of the beast, isn't it? That's why. All right, that's yeah. acceptable. Yeah, that's why. And then I'm gonna like rip out your entrails and read the future off them. All right. Well, I don't have an answer then because I would probably just use the nunchucks that are sitting next to me. Nice. Don't hit yourself though. I've done that before. <laughs> I know how to use. Yeah, uh, fun fact, <laughs> nunchucks are illegal in Arizona. Ah, what a state. Question from Grin N, Diego Sanchez. I feel like it goes without saying that Diego Sanchez is one of the toughest fighters on the UFC roster, but do you feel like Diego would have to choose to continue his fight against Mike Michel Pereira if he was being paid a flat fee as opposed to earning a Sean Wynn purse? Also, what are your thoughts on Diego now preparing for his fights with one of his, with his one and only coach, Joshua Favia? Uh, so yes, what did, of course, Diego Sanchez won by disqualification. I think I had Michelle Pineda up 2-0 and winning the third round. Uh, I know Diego's coach or Diego was saying that he might've won the first round. I don't think that to be the, to be the case. Uh, Michelle Pineda, I think was comfortably up 2-0 and was minutes away from winning a 30-27 scorecard. Uh, before that illegal knee, uh, Diego Sanchez was given the option to, uh, stop the fight, couldn't continue. Uh, but he got the DQ win nonetheless, got his win bonus, got back in the win column. Uh, Michel Pereira is now on a two-fight losing streak. And Diego Sanchez uh, gets back into the win column after losing to uh, uh, Michael Chiesa. Uh, what did you make of his decision? And if you were in that situation, what would you do? If I got um, an illegal kick to the head against a UFC fighter and I'm in a cage and they're like, here, mate, you can leg it now and we're going to pay you twice the money, I'm out of there. I am out of there because I'm smart. That's why. Um, I mean, like, what what else do we need to see Diego do? Like, I mean, he's been in wars after war after war, and he's been illegally hit there. Like, I mean, I love that these guys sitting at home, you know, we're deciding whether he can go in there and do that or not. The only person who knows right. that is Diego. Right. Um, does it give me confidence that he's uh, only with one coach now? No, it doesn't. Not at all. Um, and what was the other part of that question? That was the those were like if if he was played a if he was paid a flat fee, so win or lose, you make the same amount. Do you think he would have continued fighting? Like I mean, Jose's talking about like, you know, Michelle Pereira was on his way to victory. I mean, did you not see the the Rolling Thunder attempts that uh, Diego had in that fight? I feel like Diego was seconds away from victory once oh. that landed. It was a game over. Right from the five finger death punch to the chest. And who and who did he learn that from? Huh? Yeah, his new coach. Fair play. Uh, I don't really – I agree with what you said. I'm not Diego Sanchez. I didn't take the illegal knee. I think it's weird when fans are calling out Diego. A lot of people say, like, oh, like, veteran move, veteran move, this and that. 
I take an illegal knee to the face and my face is cut open and I'm going to have to wear this scar for the rest of my life. Like, if I can't fight, I can't fight. I'm sorry, man. It's not like he did anything illegal. Like, Diego Sanchez just played by the rules. Like, he got caught. They asked him, can you fight? He said no. And that's a wrap. Like, does it even, like, what's the argument? Is the argument, should he continue fighting? Like, I don't know. I'm not him. Like, all I know is he took an illegal knee. He said he couldn't fight. And the referee waved it off. I don't see what the controversy is. Like, yeah, run it back because I think Michelle Pineda was about to win. But I would not call. Like, how weird is it in 2020? We're two months into 2020. And the narrative from MMA fans is Donald Cerrone and Diego Sanchez quit. Like, these two men <laughs> of yeah. all people. Like, two, like, Diego Sanchez will literally fight anyone and will, like, run, like, literally sprint across the octagon, throw a rolling thunder. Remember when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, like, trying to harness the lightning? And then, yes! Like, this Mother cat, Ocean, but he's just jumping into the sea, like, ah! This cat <laughs> can fight literally anybody. Like, when I interviewed him before UFC 239, that was one of my favorite interviews I ever done because he would not, he, I don't think he blinked once. And I loved every second of it. So, and the Donald Cerrone would literally fight anyone uh, and still get paid way less than he should. So, no, these guys aren't quote unquote cowards. Donald Cerrone lost fair and square. He himself said it. He broke his nose in that fight. Probably shouldn't have taken that fight because of all the fights he had before. And then Diego Sanchez took an illegal knee. What's the problem here? It's not like they're breaking the rules. No, but literally, that is what the rules are there for. You know, that is why they are there. You know, like, uh, I, I don't know what else to say. Um, uh, but look, we, Esther, we need to Esther. find something to cry about every week anyway. That's that's what MMA fans do. Oh, never forget this. And then you're on to something on the next week. Every Esther time. Esther wants to add that it's the narrative should be it's okay to say, to, to quote unquote, uh, to not not quit, but say like self-preservation should yeah. be acceptable in, in mixed martial arts these days. Uh, and last question uh, from Phil, or one of the last questions from Phil O'Connor, very good friend of the show, even uh, made it on our uh, <laughs> official weigh-in live stream. Uh, this is the wildest hashtag MMA content out there. First question, when will Niall McGrath get the right to reply on the A-side? Well, anytime Niall wants to come on, he, all he has to do is walk out of the pub, find the computer, <laughs> And hop on, like it's all you got to do. He actually, he actually lives in my wardrobe. But I just check real quick if he wants to hang on. You're telling me? No, he, he can't. No, he's having a drink. He's having You're a drink. You're telling me Kyle's still in the closet? You can't even it's hear it. me. You're telling what? me? You're telling me Nile is still in the closet? That's it, man. That's what I just told you. Well, anytime <laughs> Nile wants to come on, come on down, man. Just gotta walk out of the pub, walk past the sandwich shop. Get a booster chair for your camera, and there you go. <laughs> what, was, what was the second question Phil had? Do either of you know where my glasses are? Uh, I think Niall took them because he wanted to burn bugs in the backyard using the sun. Yeah, I, I hope your glasses are there soon, actually, Phil. Uh, he's, he's getting some new pairs of glasses sent over from Ireland. Two more questions uh, from Zua01. Habib versus Tony, less than two months. How dare you bring this up? Wow. This is the biggest fight in MMA ever. Oh, come on, man. If not, the f- you then can't do that. the biggest fight. First of all, how dare you bring this question up, sir or ma'am? I am on record saying this fight <laughs> will never happen, and the more we talk about it, the less likely this will happen. Is this the biggest fight in MMA ever? Uh, no, uh, I don't think it is. It might be the big. It's one of the. It's one of the biggest fights. Uh, I think it's in terms of high-level martial arts. I think... Yes. We've talked about – I don't know if we've talked about it, but I know when we had Mike Heck on the show, he filled in for you once, and Anthony Walker, our good friend, he also filled in for you. We both agreed that the four times this fight has fallen apart has led to this moment, and it has never been bigger. So I am fine with the four previous times they fell apart because right now these are the two best lightweights in the world, uh, and whoever wins I think should be considered the greatest lightweight of all time. But – doesn't matter because it's not going to happen. I think it's in terms of wow. I'm getting feedback all of a sudden. Go ahead. It's um, it's kind of like um, I was listening to my good friends uh, fight disciples speak about Tyson Fury and uh, Deontay Wilder now uh, today, and they were kind of like we we don't actually recognize how little it actually happens that the two best guys in a division are actually fighting each other. Like the, the like ask anyone really who knows MMA who are the two best lightweights in the world, they're gonna say. Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Um, 
So for that reason, I think it's the most, it's one of the most fan-friendly fights out there in terms of all the people who know the sport can't wait for this fight. It means more to them than probably any other fight uh, that's going. It probably doesn't have the, the, the ability to transcend the sport like a McGregor fight does or something like that. But when you're talking about actual MMA fans, people who know what's going down here, this is one of the biggest fights ever, without a doubt. Um, but I really don't want to talk about it anymore because Jose's making the face at me and he's going to get very angry very soon yeah. if I keep on The more you it's talk about it, the more I'm going to send curses at you. And if there's <laughs> one thing I know, it's the Irish are terrified of curses. So yeah, we are. <laughs> don't make me do that to you. But for the last five minutes... We're going to jump to the YouTube comments so we can read anything you guys want to chat about. I've been slow. I've been sort of keeping up with what you guys have been talking. There seems to be a real big argument between Izzy and Romero uh, hap uh, happening. Some people think Izzy's going to win. Some people think Romero's going to win. Oh, we I can save that. The two we, of them are fighting. We can save that conversation for when that fight is actually like we're there. Uh, because a lot of people are arguing about that one. Some people are saying Diego Sanchez was smart, but he should get rid of his coach. Uh, I don't want to say any fighters should get rid of their coach. Uh, in question from the Ice King, which I'm going to say for next week, what Dungeons & Dragons class would each UFC champion be? Excellent yes. question. I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'm not going to talk about it on this one because there's not enough time. Same, same. I was, I was nearly just going to shout out the answers there really quickly, but I will keep my Dungeons & Dragons things together. Someone says, uh, the real question is, will Tony Ferguson wear sunglasses indoors? Hopefully. Often. And all the time. It's the only way I accept him. Someone says, Felder, <laughs> this person says, vegans suck. Fel no. Felder is going to beat the brakes off soy boy hooker. Is is, is hooker a, a vegan? Like, why would you pick a fight based on their nutritional? All right. Thank you for that. Uh, let's see. Felder KOs hooker mid to late third round. Uh, uh, someone wants to talk about uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. We got a handful of questions on that since we got a few. We got a few questions. I uh, can't wait. I can't. Like I've literally got the big fight bug, man. And um, you know, I will say one thing. We so you guys of ESPN in in the USA for your like your UFC coverage. We have BT Sports, and BT Sports is actually carrying the the Wilder Fury fight as well. And a lot of people complain about BT Sports and their MMA coverage, but their boxing coverage is absolutely amazing, man. Like, I mean, I have just been lost getting, like, you know, by accident, you're like clicking on a video and you're like, oh, I've been here for two hours. You know what I mean? It's 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 that good. They had a brilliant uh, roundtable up with uh, Tyson Fury's father involved and everything. Like, they're really, for a casual boxing fan, which I definitely am, um, they've really sold this to me. And I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Saturday night. After Bellator Dublin, after uh, UFC Auckland, we're going to get Fury v. Wilder. I think that's that's great, and it's a great narrative, and, and it's the biggest fight in boxing at the moment. Uh, I have never... I I love boxing. Uh, I think high-level elite boxers doing their thing is such a joy to watch. Uh, if you give me, like, two... Like... A top two boxer and like a fight night UFC card. Like I'll watch the fight night card on the side and I'll put the boxing match on my big screen, uh, just because high level boxing is such a joy to watch. Uh, Oscar Willis of the Mac Life, who has been on the preview shows and post fight shows a few times, uh, we were in Houston and he sat down in the media room and he goes, "Jose, what are you working on?" I go, uh, "I'm just editing this footage." He goes, "Stop watch, stop doing that, and watch this promo that BT Sports put out." For uh, it was like Mike Tyson was like talking, and then there was like this animated yes. stuff of Fury and Wilder, and I watched it. It might have been eighty seconds long, and I was like, that might have been the single greatest pr promo I have ever seen in my entire life for any sport. And I think I've watched it maybe every single day since that that night. So uh, to say BT Sport does a phenomenal job, uh, no, uh, it would be an understatement. But we are running way short on time. Uh, a lot of, lot of stuff we, we could have talked about. I'm sorry we didn't get to your question. But, PT, as always, the floor is yours. The promo. I know you got some Bellator Dublin stuff in the works coming up. So plug anything you want to plug. Um, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to debuting my new socks at Bellator. So if you see me, ask me to show you my socks with my dog and my missus on them. So I can show you them. That's all I've got today, guys. I've got a lot of work on my on my plate this week. So just focused on the task at hand. Been doing sit-ups, uh, pull-ups, and getting people to hit me with sticks out the back garden. Like that's so I'm ready to go. So I'm sorry I don't have a promo, but believe me, 
hit me with a stick this week and, and watch how well I will take it. I'll just smile at you. So if you disappear for a few hours, we know you've been knocked unconscious. Or else I'm stabbing someone 18 times in the head and reading the future from their entrails. All right. Well, my promo is watch all of PT stuff at Bellator Dublin. Uh, what is it? Bellator 240. I think Thanks for editing it, Casey. I love you. Thank you for making me look yeah. good. <laughs> and shout out to Casey and Esther for all this awesome director work. Uh, it's looked absolutely phenomenal. You can't see them, uh, but they're running everything back there. They really came up with this this awesome idea. I hope you guys enjoyed Great. it. Thank uh, you. Keep sending in your questions. Send in your video questions, too. Uh, this, of course, will be on Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, because a lot of people still listen to this. Uh, for those listening that can't see anything, go back and watch it on YouTube. Watch PT put his foot he- foot behind his head. And then stick around on the YouTube site and watch all his Bellator Dublin stuff coming. Of course, UFC Auckland is this weekend. Uh, Tyson uh, Fury and uh, Deontay Wilder are fighting. So an awesome week for combat sports and MMA fighting. We'll have coverage of all of it. Maybe not live coverage, but we will cover as much as possible. So stay on our site. Stay on the YouTube page. Just keep our browsers open at all time. But for Jose, that's Pizzi. We're out. Send me conditioner recommendations.